human beings, we have a complex and full mix of different types of emotions, which are reflected into our identities. And the more complex our emotions are, the more complex our identities are. Right? Mm -hmm. You can be more than just a doctor. Yeah. You could be a doctor that helps the world. You could be a doctor that gives back. You could be a doctor that loves music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, you could be La Russell. That, Dude, that, shout out La that, that, That's that. Shout out La Russell. I quote yeah. him all the time. By the way, nobody fucks with La Russell. He's protected. Dude, Dude yeah, right. La Russell yeah. and then Mally's the goat was also yeah. you guys. Yeah. <laughs> where where he, where he's not just a rapper. He's a poet. He's a yeah. public speaker. Um, he's a businessman. Um, he's a community man. Like he allows himself to have these multiple facets of complex identities. Like, like especially here in the United States, that's very possible. We should allow that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a reflection of who I am. Welcome back to another episode of Central Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Daly, a filmmaker, photographer, and a dude passionate about his community. This podcast focuses on the talented individuals that make up the Central Valley of California, as well as people who are passionate about what they do. The Central Valley has gotten a bad rep, and we're here to change that. If you enjoy what we're doing, we kindly ask that you download each episode, subscribe to our YouTube, and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're using. And once again, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Central Valley Podcast. And before this podcast begins, I just wanted to let you guys know that unfortunately we had some technical difficulties and the audio in this one may sound a little off, but it's not too bad. It's definitely listenable. There's great content here. And I just wanted to say we all make mistakes and we happen to make one today. So sorry for the inconvenience, but please enjoy the episode with Chef 2. Shout out Duffy, shout out Michael. This is it. Central Valley Podcast. Hey, big shout out Central Valley Podcast. You know I had a fuck with it. Hey, shout out Central Valley Podcast. That's how I used to start every show was with the intro, just like that. Awesome. And then, but some people would be like, oh, oh, like, like get all nervous. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, we don't have to do it like this, you guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. But David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Two. Two? Yes. Two? Yes. Okay. Uh, so where does the David come from, out of curiosity, when they put That's Chef David? That's a great question. So, um... Uh, ever since birth at the hospital, my mom tried to write down um, to David Fu, to being my first name. In every instance where she had to submit my name into an institution at birth, hospital included, um, they would switch around to David Tufu. Oh. And my mom, you know, just mind that my mom, um, refugee, immigrant, both people, English isn't great. And I think they belittle her intelligence. Mm. Um, and they were making a decision for her. And that's the thing is, like, as, as I get older and as my friends have kids, like, I would be mortified. I would be pissed off. Somebody would get fucking sued. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? If they tried to, like, change my paperwork, institutional paperwork. Right? So yeah. I think it was well-intentioned. However, it was an asshole move. Yeah. So two. Yeah, two. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. And me and two ended up meeting each other yesterday because... Uh, you came to Merced to kind of talk about like what, what, why you came here and stuff like that. Sure. Um, I came to Merced to, uh, I was invited by the El Captain Hotel um, and the chef of Rainbird and- Shout out Quentin. Shout out Chef Quentin, shout out Kimberly Garner and her husband, Chef Mitch over at UC Merced. Mm -hmm. So 
the three institutions together wanted to host me for a weekend so I could come out and screen my Emmy-nominated film called Bloodline that's airing on PBS nationally ever since February of last year. And, by the way, you can watch it free on YouTube. You can Google Chef 2 Bloodline or YouTube search Chef 2 Bloodline. Three separate words. <laughs> <laughs> T-U spell T-U. And watch it for yourself. This 26-minute film, my homies and I did it like guerrilla style. Um, interviewed my parents, and we wanted to learn and tell the story of how my parents, you know, kind of um, in a super cool way, like, was resilient and was innovative with food, given the fact that I grew up food insecure. Mm -hmm. And so right? what do you mean when you grew up food insecure? Food insecure is like... <laughs> It's like being financially insecure. <laughs> when you go to when you go to the bank when you're financially insecure, shit ain't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You go to the fridge, gotcha, gotcha. you're starving as fuck, shit ain't there. Mm -hmm. And um, food insecurity, I think, um, just to speak pretty openly about it, affects people of different colors, people of all different financial backgrounds, because you could be. You know, I knew families where they were trying to live in an upper echelon neighborhood, but like the parents were so caught up in living in that neighborhood, they couldn't feed their kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's the flip side where, you know, you live in the hood, you live in, you know, in not the most reputable places in town. And, you know, maybe you lost your job or, you know, something in life happened where, you know, the little money that you had like, killed you of any sort of cash flow for the week. And, you know, you're eating, I don't know, rice and water you know, mm -hmm. for a week, you know. So my personal food insecurity experiences, and I normalized that as a kid, I, uh, you know, there, there were moments where um, uh, there were days, on good days, you know, there would just be like a gallon of milk in the fridge. Because back in the days, you'd get a gallon of milk for like, I don't know, like two bucks, mm -hmm. a buck fifty, and my obsession with milk came because that's the only thing we had in our fridge. It was um, like what you're familiar with. Yeah, right. As 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 in terms of food, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are other times where when I, we did have food, um, and I I'm working on a cookbook and I actually feature this recipe, is that um, back in the '90s you could get a, a bare bone chicken carcass from any like meat counter. Right, mm -hmm. any butcher shop because no one sold chicken bones back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, and butchers, I guess, went through it so much that they just kind of like gave it away if you asked for it. But my mom would get that for free and she'll make soup out of it. So it's just like bare bone broth mm -hmm. soup. This was bone broth like before bone broth was before cool. it's a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Stop <laughs> cultural appropriating poor people, you fucks. <laughs> Stop it. Um, but we had this like chicken broth and then we eat with rice and that was on a good day, right? But there, mm -hmm. there were there were days where I, I You know just went to bed like severely hungry and my stomach hurt right? I think that's a pain. I think that's a cruel pain it was never intentional to be imposed uh, For me to endure that But I think the hunger of pain is extremely cruel no matter what your circumstance and I feel that it's my conviction why I love food so much because right? mm. I want to relieve my own pain of hunger. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And um, I want to relieve other people's pain of hunger. And if I could stimulate happiness through food, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, so what kind of brought you to, to cooking and, and professionally as well? 
Um, I've always cooked with my mom. Just let me give you some context. Yeah, yeah, like my obsession with food, right? Like, um, uh, I think my early twenties. Um, I wasn't sure if I was at the legal age limit of drinking yet. It might have <laughs> been around there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but they put me in a sobering tank with my friends because we all were in Santa Clara County, and mm. the cops decided to, you know bust down our party because we're a bunch of kids from Oakland. Yeah. Um, threw us in a locked tank, threw up in a sobering tank, and, you know, we're all flipping out, whatever. And I guess because it's overnight, they have to give us food. So they, they literally threw in the cell on the floor. <laughs> like shitty-ass fucking bread and cheese and mm-hmm. packets of mustard. Mm-hmm. And there's maybe like, you know, four or five of my buddies, and there's like maybe like a dozen other random people in the sobering tank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone throws the sandwiches away. I go around and collect everyone's sandwiches and eat it. I'm all like, it's food, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Prison food or jail food is disgusting. But um, that's the thing with me. I, I, I have an appreciation for food where in, in places and times where other people don't, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, uh, food is... Um, like I said, like for me, more than equally to the enjoyment of food, I know what the pain of not having food is. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's that, that's deep, honestly. And so, you were raised in Oakland, you said, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, when did you start to like, like, be interested in like preparing meals in the sense of like, like, like as a job and stuff like that? Like, when did that come into your life? Um, so I've always cooked with my mom as a kid, Yeah, you know, and I think that in the kitchen, that's one of the rare places that I, that, you know, that where I was able to strike good feelings and emotions of like happiness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, not, that's not that fun. Being poor is <laughs> really fucking depressing. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Living in the hood is kind of depressing, man, you know, and, but there's good elements in it. And I feel that. If there's anything universal, whether you're rich or poor, you can find good, great moments, amazing moments with your family in the kitchen. And that's what it was for me and my mom. So I started there. Um, and the moment that I was able to um, work at the legal age of 15 and a half through my work permit, when I was actually working full-time after high school. <laughs> I mean, not after high school, working in, full-time. In um, high school? Or in high school. Right, 15 and a half, I was like, yeah. Yeah, full-time in high school. Um, I was able to feed myself. So I was cooking at home. You know what I mean? I was like buying stuff from Safeway. Man, I, I thought Safeway was like, to me, Safeway was like gourmet as fuck, right? Like, yeah. Like I thought potato salad was like the luxury <laughs> yeah. from the deli. I thought roasted chicken was like luxury, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I think at the time I was making like five bucks an hour or some shit, right? So a full day of working could get me like a week's worth of groceries, right? At least mm. the way I bought stuff. Yeah. Um, and the way that you were, or like the way that you knew food prior to that, you know what I mean? You're yeah. like, to you, to some people that might not like look like that much food, but to you, you're like, oh, this is this is bounty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, I became the dude with my high school friends um, and my friends uh, in my high school age group from other high schools. I was in like Oakland, and a lot of my friends are from West Oakland in the community that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. But I had homies from like deep East Oakland. Um, and 
friends. A lot of my homies from deep East Oakland were like Cambodian Crips. <laughs> a lot of my homies from West Oakland and North Oakland um, were black because that's where the Panthers were rooted in. Oh, In those shit. communities. Mm -hmm. I live near the Fermery Park, um, which is also labeled as Little Bobby Huntington Park, which is uh, a Black Panther Park. And mm -hmm. if you live in those communities, in those spaces, those parks are never dirty. They're protected, mm -hmm. no matter who you are, right? Um, because of the respect of the history of the Black Panthers there. Wow. Um, you look at any any West Oakland rapper, um, Jay Stalin, any any of those dudes, mm -hmm. they will always they're always paying homage in one way or another to the Panthers in West Oakland. So, um, but yeah, because of those things, <clears throat> and my homies and kind of all over Oakland. I always got invited out because I was like buying food and cooking, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that evolved into like barbecue. And like oh, that okay, gotcha. so I was cooking for my other homies, and so I was protected. You know, yeah. I was like, you know, bring two out. That's the homie. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, this guy can cook. <laughs> you know, they was calling me Chef Two and Top Chef. Really? Back in high that was school. your like nickname? Oh yeah, back in high school, bro. That's cool. Yeah, so that's that's more important to me than. Anybody else putting me on is is is, is having your homies put you on. Having oh, your yeah. put you on, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember cooking for my homies, and they would come over, you know, bro, we used to, I used to live in a trap house with my homies, man. Like, mm. we had homies with, like, <laughs> and I had to talk to my other homies about, like, he's got a warrant out. <laughs> you, he can't stay over like this, man. Like, <laughs> You're bringing the danger to the house. <laughs> yeah. But, like, we always had dudes running through the house. My homie was a barber. His name is Sutra. Shout out to Sutra. Um, but, yeah, we yeah, I let my homie was a barber for the hood. Like, he cut yeah, he yeah. cut hair in the house, and everybody came over. <laughs> we had the sports things yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then I, I think when you're the barber, everybody goes through from, you know, the, the homies that's doing good, you know, in high school, in college. Uh-huh. The dudes that become bankers that come back to the hood and yeah. visit the family <laughs> to the dope boys. Yeah. Right? So a little bit of everybody through there. Yeah. And so, you know, when we got our own place and we start to live together and we had homies and that was like the homie house. Mm -hmm. It was like on East 22nd. Did you have a name for your guys' house at all? What's that? You guys have a name for your house? Like we, we hang out, hung out? I think we just called it the spot. All right. we, we, we called ours the garage because we would just hang out. In the garage all day, yeah, every right. day for years. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Even though there's all those bad stuff, for, for us, it was a safe space. Yeah. Because the moment you're doing those activities outside, you're going to get busted, police brutalized. If not those things, the equivalent from other people who want to take stuff from you. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, yeah, Oakland's, yeah. So there's a crabs, there's a crab and a pot mentality in Oakland. And my understanding of in my relationship with Oakland in my youth was that um, that you wanted to get out, you know. Mm -hmm. This is pre-gentrification a lot of stuff. Oakland wasn't a place to celebrate. It was where you came from, but you were supposed to move out of Oakland, mm -hmm. right? And Honestly, it's very similar mentality, like, in this area, mm -hmm. in the sense of, like, people are, like, in order to do anything or make anything, like, you got to get out of the Central Valley. Like, you can't yeah. do anything. I mean, that, that was, like, the, the attitude of it. And I don't blame it because, you know, these are humble communities, mm -hmm. right, where everyone's trying to make it. And I think um, sometimes the context of that story is, you know, when you're trying to make it, um, jealousy, envy, mm -hmm. people are trying to steal or take from you. And that's what it was for us in Oakland. 
Mm -hmm. Every time I've seen one of my homies try to make it out of Oakland, in which they do, move to a neighboring city, coincidentally, their house will get robbed. Damn. You know what I mean? Damn. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, I feel, and this is my understanding of crime, is that it usually happens with somebody that knows you, Mm -hmm. whether directly or indirectly. Mm -hmm. They're keeping an eye on you like, oh, well, that person's doing good. I'm about to go. Yeah. Pay him a visit. Or her. Or her, yeah. Um, and, uh, and and just for reference, like I, I don't want to over glamorize <clears throat> um, my relationship with Oakland by any means. Um, but for us growing up in the '90s and the '80s, we were at the cusp of the crack epidemic and the heroin epidemic. Mm. Um, and one of the most horrific stories that I know is a, a good friend of mine, Tony. His mother um, was caught in crossfire, broad daylight, uh, not too far oh. from where I live. Right, 12 years old, broad daylight, bringing groceries from the sidewalk to the house. Oh, shit. Just yeah, and he lived in the acorns in West Oakland. Dang. Just going on a daily routine daylight, yeah. and just mm-hmm. doing something. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. It's like I, I have too many stories of that where my friends <clears throat> just happen to be the person doing the ill well or the person who just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So that mentality of mine from initially started with me wanting to leave Oakland and never look back on it again actually turned into a more compassionate one where I wanted to see community build people up um, find hope and inspiration and that's the most important thing to me to this day and I I carry that with me wherever I go Um, because if a city's burning down, right? It's it's not about. <clears throat> it's unrealistic to be able to save everyone, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can spark at least hope in like just a few people to make sure, or hopefully, seed in the thought that maybe that city will burn less, or maybe not burn at all mm-hmm. at some point. I, I think that's how I navigate the world. Mm-hmm. And if I can go to different community spaces and do that through food as a medium, um, and I think we talked about this earlier, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I've been in San Quentin prison penitentiary, working with incarcerated men. I've worked in school districts. I just did a TED talk in Boston, MIT. Um, I just did a talk at Google Food Labs, like these like whole wide spectrum of 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 places where. I can connect to people from a kid from Oakland through food, tying in like academia into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that really gets me excited, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think um, <clears throat> um, I feel that having the thought of wanting to change people's heart, excuse me, <clears throat> having a thought of wanting to instill hope or inspire people. That's a that's a really tall glass of fucking water, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a and really tall glass of water. And sometimes that work is unfulfilling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
This podcast is brought to you by Marcus Rodriguez. If you're looking to buy or sell your home in this competitive market and you're not too sure where to start, look no further than Merced's preferred realtor, Marcus Rodriguez. He'll make sure the process goes as easy as possible and you can reach him at 209-554-1715. Once again, that's 209-554-1715. You can visit his website, www.myagentmarcus.com or email him, info at myagentmarcus.com. Thanks again, Marcus. This podcast is brought to you by Thor. No, not the God of Thunder. The dude who does tattoos in Merced. (laughs) Now, if you're in the Central Valley area and you're looking to get a tattoo, look no further than this dude right here. He's a versatile artist that specializes in black and gray realism. He's located in Merced at the Merced Tattoo and Piercing Company. And if you'd like to make an appointment with him, the best thing you can do is follow him on Instagram. That's at underscore T-H-O-R-E-E-E-E-E. That's at underscore Thor with five E's. You click the link in the bio and that is exactly how you make the appointment. So thank you again, Thor, and please go check him out. This podcast is brought to you by B-Junk Freemer said. Everyone has stuff that is taking up space, but not everybody has the time or equipment to do something about it. And that's where Scott Levesey comes in. If you have junk overtaking your garage, yard, that spare room, or even a storage unit, give B-Junk Freemer set a call at 209-233-1519. Once again, it's 209-233-1519. He'll give you an estimate, and the best part about B-Junk Freemer set is that he will clean up the mess for you. So you just point, and he'll clean it up for you. You know how He's not going to drop off a trailer and make you do the work. He's going to make sure that he does the work for you guys. So go ahead and give Scott Levesey a call at 209-233-1519. Thanks again, B-Junk Free. Um, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And so what kind of, so you kind of be, you got into cooking, you, you started cooking for your friends and stuff like that. You guys had your house. What, what kind of took you to like this, this next level of being able to like do a Ted talk, like talk to like, like Google, you know what I mean? And then go to prison. Like, you know what I mean? It's like such a vast variety way, of things. Way polarizing as fuck. Right? Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like super ADD sort of like <laughs> yeah. trail. Like this is mountaintop, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think um, I I've always allowed myself to have multiple identities. People always talk about like, I have one passion, and my one passion is this. But human beings, we have a complex and full mix of different types of emotions which are reflected into our identities. And the more complex our emotions are, the more complex our identities are, right? Mm -hmm. You can be more than just a doctor. Yeah. You could be a doctor that helps the world. You could be a doctor that gives back. You could be a doctor that loves music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, You could be LaRussell. Dude, shout out LaRussell. Shout out LaRussell. I quote him all the time, by the way. Nobody fucks with LaRussell. He's protected. Dude, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. The Russell yeah. and then Mally's the goat was also yeah. you guys. Yeah. <laughs> where where he, where he's not just a rapper, he's a poet. Mm-hmm. He's a yeah. public speaker. Um, he's a businessman. Um, he's a community man. Like he allows himself to have these multiple facets of complex identities. Like, like especially here in the United States, that's very possible. We should allow that for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a reflection of who I am. Is that um, I didn't go to college. Right? Mm-hmm. right out of high school, I went straight to culinary school because that's what I wanted to do. I want to work with food. But I found that in my space of food, like, there's all this bullshit that I had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, fuck you, Culinary Academy, Le Cordon Bleu. You could sue me if you want. 
Um, the yeah. yeah. <laughs> C- CCA San Francisco shut down for fraud. Fuck you. Um, Fuck you. <laughs> I got your back too. Um, but I, I was part of a curriculum where they were teaching me stuff that was undermining my mother. Mm. Really? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and, and, and it's no intention to the teachers there. I'm just saying fuck you to the system. Mm. No, yeah, yeah. Um, but they were highly prioritizing Western cuisines, uh, uh, Western, European. And like white doing it that patriarchy. way, basically? Like this is how we do it? Yeah. And, you know what I mean? And, and for the record, that shit was delicious. <laughs> yeah. Right? But it was, it was, um, I, it, 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 it rubbed me the wrong way saying that what I thought and what I knew was delicious was uh, not valued in those curriculum. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think it's seated in me. Um, and, and, and it sit for me, it sat with me for a while. And as, as I start to work for <clears throat> like world top 10 restaurants and shit and nationally acclaimed restaurants, um, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I did a tenure for Daniel Balut. I, I did a tenure as a sous chef for like, a, a two mission star restaurant, in San Francisco called Acarello, mm-hmm. um, kind of everything in between. And consistently in this place or in this space of excellent food, I'll look out to the dining room and no one looked like me. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to have my parents be able to, I wanted to be able to afford to have my parents sit in a dining room. I couldn't afford that as a chef, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. Yeah. You know? And then I, then you start to go into space of like hospitality. And then, you know, I start to naturally ask these questions, why? Why is it all people of color and hospitality, right? But when they put it on TV, it's like an all-white staff. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. An all-white dining room, which is not real, right? Mm-hmm. And I start to learn the history behind that, you know, and I start to read cookbooks, and I found the intersection of anthropology and, 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 and the culinary world. I found this great book called, I was like 21 at the time, got a Discover card, mm-hmm. 10 grand. I didn't spend that at the club. You know what I spent? Well, what, you know, I went to 10 grand debt for. Thank you, Discover Card. <laughs> what was it? Books? Um, I spent it all on books. Mm. I didn't go to college, man. Culinary school is not college. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's culinary college, but it's not like a four-year credited college. Yeah, yeah. Right? I spent it all on books, man. And one of the books that changed my life is uh, from a writer in Boston, I believe, or Massachusetts named Clifford A. Wright. It's called A Mediterranean Feast, and it accredits the what modern day Europe is culinary wise to the North African Muslim Moors and how they took over the fall, um, after the fall of, uh, the North African Muslim Moors took over after the fall of the Roman empire mm. and how they brought in all the fucking spices and shit. Really? All the fucking ingredients, all the fruits, the oranges, the eggplants, the peppers, right? Spain being many, uh, Spain, Spain being like a huge, uh, Muslim capital. Um, Madrid being a Muslim name, the gardening, all the shit you see in, in Europe and all the fucking chefs saying like, in Europe has the best motherfucking tomatoes. Yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, it's so big, it's so good in Italy, blah, blah. That shit is from the Muslims. They <laughs> taught the Europeans. How really? Mm-hmm. And the waterway systems came, you know, from Africa. Yeah. All that stuff, irrigation, all that stuff. So, um, you know, he, he, and this is a white man, by the way. This is like... Mr. Rogers, white man. <laughs> and because he's an anthropologist, I felt like he wasn't biased. It, it was his conviction because it was factual. Yeah. It was history. Right. But it, it's a history that hadn't been really told in the sense of 
like you're saying, when you went to culinary school, they're not. Let me ask you guys this: How much Muslim history you guys learn? I'm not a Muslim. Yeah, I'm fucking, uh, I, I would say I remember Ottoman Empire, right? And then that's about it. And then quote me something about the Ottoman Empire. I. It was all over. It was big. In, it was big and all over. So right? I got for it's you. Turkey now, <laughs> right? And that's, but yeah. you guys could tell me about the Crusades. Yeah, right? exactly. You guys could tell me about all the Christian holidays we celebrate. Yeah. Why we celebrate? You could tell me about Christopher Columbus. Yeah, fuck that guy. Right. Mm -hmm. But you, you guys like. I'm not a Muslim. I'm not pro-Muslim by any means. If anything, I'm atheist. Real talk, right? Mm -hmm. But factually. There's a lot of history that you have to tell because Muslim history is a huge part of Europe. Just people don't people don't want to talk about it. They don't want us to learn about it mm -hmm. because Muslim history is African history. Right? Mm -hmm. There's an erasure. There's a huge erasure of that. So, just reading that book and learning it and and getting a deeper understanding of why in my culinary school they weren't teaching things or teaching spaces that looked like me. Mm -hmm. In addition to my high school, I started to kind of build that into my soul and heart and mind over the next few years. And I started to bring that forth to the people who I worked for, right? As a, as a chef of color, I would continually be reprimanded for hiring um, Formerly incarcerated. I don't use ex-cons. Mm -hmm. Formerly incarcerated. Because I have homies that are formerly incarcerated. I've been reprimanded for having too many black cooks in my kitchen. Really? And it's the biggest bullshit because yeah. I have to tell you, if you live in Oakland or if you work if, if you work in the fucking Bay Area, especially in Oakland and Berkeley and the East Bay, those are predominantly black neighborhoods. Why would I not hire from the neighborhood? Mm -hmm. And yeah. if they have the skill and talent, it just totally makes fucking sense. Yeah. Like, why would I be so stuck up where I have to look for a non-black cook, right? Yeah. Um, but it's the shit like that that got me really disgusted continually. In addition to that, there was a time where a lot of the white chefs were um, really getting into Asian cuisine. You know, not mad at my sh white chef homies at all, but the polar opposite had happened to me imposed on me in the sense where um, I inherited a restaurant menu from a predecessor, mm -hmm. very talented, Really great chef. Um, Jewish by nature. I mean, not, not by nature, but Jewish uh, through birthright. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, and I inherited um, her menu. I mean, excuse me, his menu, which happened to have a lot of Japanese influences. Mm. And because there's a transitioning period, I'm like, hey, just let me take this menu and continue to cook it. Um, because there's leftover ingredients from the left chef. I just want to use it up for simple psychology. Fucking owner sits me down and says, uh, hey, Chef Two, I noticed that you have these Asian ingredients on the menu. This is a California cuisine restaurant, not an Asian restaurant. What the yeah, fuck, what? right? Yeah. Um, so it's things like that that um, really got into my skin. I think for my right. counterpart and colleagues yeah. that were chefs at the time, I felt that... Um, I'm not even talking about equal treatment. I, I wasn't allowed a space to exist, right? Yeah, you couldn't even bring your own. Like, it doesn't matter if you're Asian or not, but the fact that they're like, hey, whoa, whoa, that's too, like, what? I don't know. It's just so wild to me that they would even, like, have the nerve to say that to you. I saw no difference to that. If you, if, 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 
if I'm making matzo balls and you're making matzo balls, um, why should there be why should there be like um, that types of uh, that type of conversation at yeah. all? Right. Mm. And then one of the things I love about cooking is that I could be inked up, I could be tatted up, I could be an ex-con. Excuse me, I could be formally incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I could be, I could look, I could look like the things that you fear most at night, right? Mm-hmm. But being that type of person and making beautiful food, if you ate my food without seeing my face, I could knock you off your ass in a good mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. right? That's why I went into cooking. Um, but I felt like there's all these like stupid barriers that I had to go through and. I think that pivoted me into a space where I was like, fuck this. I originally started to cook food because my homies and I were throwing backyard barbecues and parties mm-hmm. and house parties. So I brought that sentiment into fruition by wanting to do th- these things called pop-ups. And at the time, in the early 2000, mid-2010s, mid a few of my chef homies were throwing like these parties, cooking illegally as fucking warehouses. Mm-hmm. And then folding in uh, the nuances of 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 upper echelon fine dining, if you will, in terms of like a tasting mm-hmm. a tasting menu is like when you have more than one plate and it comes out in a progressive gradual yeah. manner, mm-hmm. first, second, third, blah blah, whatever, right? And it's a fixed price menu usually, like a hundred bucks, yeah, yeah, bucks, whatever. Um, in addition to that, we wanted to fold in all the new cocktails and drinking and wine culture that we had. Um, there was an impression at the time that. When you drink wine or refined cocktails, it needed to be like with symphony music playing. In the <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I feel like my personality personality is, is fairly Oakland in a sense where um, if it had alcohol in it, we're taking it to the sideshow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like you're drinking wine at the bottle, uh, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And, and we wanted that that sort of culture to be more accessible and reflective of who we are growing up as teenagers, as kids, as young mm-hmm. adults. Um, so I started throwing these like crazy ass parties in the most illegal cooking spaces that you're not supposed to cook. I sold wine illegally mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I had to do what I had to do to, you know, kind of um, sustain my finances of this pop-up, mm-hmm. right? To get all the costs paid off because I'm not a millionaire. I don't have investors and shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but did like eight courses for like 40 bucks, right? Went Dang. broke off of that shit. But we had great times, man. And was it to allow, like you're saying, like you would look into these restaurants, you'd only see like one type of people, you know what I mean? You wouldn't see anybody who... I wanted my homies to come and they he, did come. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You wanted, yeah, yeah, people who might not have access to this stuff to be able to experience what... Yeah, and I wanted moms and aunties to come. Nice. You know, and, and they did. And in those spaces, it went from a party, which it always was, to um, these really thoughtful conversations of where these dishes come from. Because I wasn't cooking, like, traditional mainstream dishes. Mm-hmm. I was literally cooking stuff that I enjoyed eating from my mom. And the interesting thing was that, you know, my mom, my parents had a beautiful story. Like, we had, we lived in a janky apartment building with a Korean neighbor she spoke fluent Vietnamese hmm, really? because she, uh, her family spent like a generation or two in Vietnam as ginseng brokers or uh, growers, if mm-hmm. you will, one of the two. And from there, Vietnam War happened, and then she immigrated over to the United oh. States. 
right? So I was eating Korean food thinking it was Vietnamese food, <laughs> right? And that's how, as kids, that's how you associate with your cultural identity. Mm-hmm. The food that you mm-hmm. eat is usually um, prepared by the people who spoke the language, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's that simple. It's stuff like that. It's stuff like um, my dad being a fishmonger for 30 years and he would bring home like, you know, fish waste, like fish collars mm-hmm. before Morimoto blew it up on Iron Chef, you know, the yeah. Japanese <laughs> yeah, yeah. the Japanese Iron Chef, the original one. Yeah. Um, fish heads, like salmon belly, oh. all, all those cool things, right? That, that was so hot at that moment, mm-hmm. starting to blow up. And I think it gave people a really interesting context of, 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 of food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and chefs started to come, um, food reviewers started to come, and I think a year in, I got San Francisco Rising Star Chef. Um, I was part of that class for 2017, and the other chefs who are part of that class, or part who, who've won those awards, mm-hmm. have been nominated, they've gone on to be like world-renowned chefs. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. So it's just very humbling and honoring for me to be a part of that. Um, and then that same year, Top Chef hit me up and said, hey, you made it onto the show. Like, and then from there, everything just kind of skyrocketed. But the essence of everything on how I went from cooking to like TED Talks, mm-hmm. yeah, filmmaking, yeah. It, it started off with storytelling at these pop-up dinners, man. Hmm. You know, which is insane. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I didn't go to college. Um, um, and if I did learn to speak anywhere, I learned at Toastmasters. You guys know what Toastmasters is? I don't know what it is. What is it? Toastmasters is the most amazing thing. It's like a bunch of old people, retired, former executives, or probably even like CPAs that yeah. are like 65 to 80 years old who meet up at the library and they're passionate about speaking. Oh, it's... And there's Toastmasters like all over the nation. Really? Yeah, it's like a bunch of old people. Oh, wow. Like, and I went when I was like in my 20s, like my mid-20s, um, because I had a um, an employer that suggested that if I learned how to speak, I can... Emp- I would be more empowered to speak with my the crew that I was managing. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you are very good at speaking, though. Like, even from, like, yesterday when we were hanging out and today, like, storytelling and the way, like, you hold yourself and hold the conversation, it's, like, very interesting and intriguing toastmasters toastmasters huh and and, and i don't want to quote up i don't want to chop up nipsey's uh, my quote of nipsey but he says um a, he uses another word but he, i'm gonna say person mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um but he, he says something to the extent of um a person is down and mad because he can't find ways to express himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I, for so long, honestly, like I was doing everything that I thought I should. So I was going to school to become a teacher because mm. it seemed like when you tell people, oh, I'm going to school to become a teacher, they didn't question it. You know what I mean? It was just yeah, like it's a safe choice. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And so that's what kind of what I did for a long time. I got an educational degree through ASU. And then, like, I kind of sat down and, like, this random brand was doing, like, a dream job. And it was, like, make a make a video about your dream job. And uh, basically, like, they're going to pick somebody who wins it, right? And that, like, literally that one little ad that I saw yeah. made me think, oh, what is my dream job, right? So I hit up my buddy who did video, Jimmy, and, like, 
I kind of start. We we made one video, and then that that was in 2019. And since Amazing. and since then, I've been like just head down, learning video, learning photography, and like this is my now my second. It, starting this year is my second year doing it full time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like. Through doing that, this podcast got born. Like, I just started asking myself, what do I want? You know what I mean? I fucking love that because, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, for, you know, people who are working class, including ourselves, right? And people who don't have generational wealth where you inherit millions of dollars through a... Uh, trust fund. Through a trust fund <laughs> when we're 18. Yeah. Or our parent, their parents are bribing them to be able to go to Ivy League schools. Mm -hmm. um, bribing deans. Oh yeah, you know, uh, once, to get uh, into uh, Ivy League school. Oh yeah, was Laurie it? McLaughlin. Laurie McLaughlin. Shout out Full House. Yeah, <laughs> yeah shout out Full House. <laughs> shout out you, Laurie. <laughs> yeah. Um. We're we're there, there's a stigma we're taught that we can't go out and do what we want to do. We have to pick one thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But for rich kids, it could be motherfucking Hemingway. Yeah. It could be a womanizer. <laughs> yeah. You could be college educated, Ivy League, right? Mm -hmm. You could be a hunter. You could be yeah. um a historian. You could be you could be a doctor and then a scientist and a mountain climber Boyer. and Mount Everest. Yeah. Like the whole Renaissance man bullshit. Mm -hmm. Right? But us people who are poor, we can't we're not taught that. I don't and I don't understand why that stigma is there or has been there. So I love that you say that is that you have these multifacets um, of, of interest mm -hmm. and then you're able to pursue them. I feel everyone should be greenlighted for that. Why do you have to pick one thing? Mm -hmm. Right. No, exactly. When you were saying that earlier, that's what I was like. That's like me. Like I like if I could just be able to like create stuff that like I wanted to create, it'd be like I could have endless ideas. You know what I mean? And, and you, <clears throat> excuse me. And you know what? You're creating multiple revenue streams for yourself. Right? Mm -hmm. Everything that you're doing it's an investment of something, and if it doesn't, uh, uh, if you don't have a check immediately, there are going to be some value to it later on. Whether it's a skill, mm -hmm. you, whether you get contracted, whether you turn into a company, whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? Well, like this podcast is an example of that. Mm. I thought I do a podcast and I do photo and video. They're completely separate. They're not going to correlate with each other. And what I've learned is that like sitting down, talking to people, getting to know people, like it's brought me more business for my, my photo and video than I had awesome. ever thought of. Like awesome. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be like right. correlated with each other, but like, and, and this has opened so many doors for me. Like we met, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've met so many people and gotten so many new friends through this and just talked to so many talented people and people who are passionate about what they do. And each time I feel like I'm the one that's getting the, like, I, I feel so like happy because like, I feel like I'm recharged every time I have a good conversation with somebody. And, and you know why? Um, that's what happiness attracts, man. Mm. When you truly love what you do, you attract good people. You attract those good vibes, and people want to be around you. And people want, you know, this podcast is early as fuck. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired. We I'm tired. It's night, like bro, seven a.m. Yeah, we. <laughs> but I, but I said yes to you uh -huh. because you're a good fucking dude, man. Mm -hmm. You know, we connected yesterday. It was all spirit. It was pure. Yeah, the whole you know the I mean? whole evening was fun. Yeah, like, like good people, and and that's what I do. I I fuck with good people from good fabric. You know. Mm -hmm. You know, just to let you know, I've been, I'm really nice, but I'm really an asshole. <laughs> I'm really, I only reserve my, my, my goodness for good people, mm -hmm. right? Like, I, I try to budget myself for that because I'm not going to give my goodness to everyone. No, yeah. 
Um, and sometimes you can tell, like, when people are trying to take advantage and stuff, too, like, of it. Not even take advantage sometimes, but just pure dickheadedness. Just shitty people. Yeah, shitty people. Selfish. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I felt like you were just really get, giving really good vibes and, you know, you want to hear my story, which I'm humbled. You mm-hmm. know, I appreciate it. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll be tired, but... He says he's gonna buy me a coffee. And <laughs> <laughs> he bought us coffee. Yeah. Well, I actually bought you a coffee. <laughs> thank you, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Once welcome. again. This podcast is brought to you by Blaker Brewing, the official beer of the podcast. Located in Atwater and Ceres, this brewery offers not only delicious tasting beer, but great events that bring the whole community together. So on April 15th, make sure your calendar is clear for the Jacked Up Country Concert in Atwater at the Tarmac location. They got bands coming from all over, you guys, and it's going to be a great, great time. There will be beer, games, tons of live music, great bands, cocktails, and so much more things to do. So if you're interested in that, make sure you stop by Blaker Brewing on April 15th and you can buy tickets ahead of time on their Instagram. So if you follow at Blaker Brewing or at Blaker Tarmac, click the link in the bio and you can buy tickets there. They are also introducing the Blaker Pass this year, which gets you into all the events they're having this year. So if you're interested in that, the information is on the website as well. Thanks again, Blaker. This podcast is brought to you by Crybaby Wine. Proudly located in Fresno, Crybaby Wine offers you your favorite delicious tasting wines like Chardonnay, Cabernet, and everything in between. Not only do they offer these great tasting wines, but they also have a delicious de-alcoholized CBD wine. Infused with CBD and CBG, these wines help reduce anxiety and alleviate stress. You can find their products at crybabywine.com, and if you live in Fresno County, you'll receive free delivery. Once again, you can check them out at crybabywine.com. And for 10% off your order, you guys, type in CVP at checkout. That's coupon code CVP, a.k.a. Central Valley Podcast, to receive 10% off your Crybaby wine. Thanks again, Crybaby. This podcast is brought to you by Juno Coffee, brewed right here in the Central Valley of California. Nothing beats fresh brewed coffee, but their specialty instant coffee is a delicious alternative for those on the go, whether you're climbing, parenting, or just out there being rad. I've had so many instant coffees, and this is the only instant coffee that even comes close to a fresh brewed cup of coffee. They also have delicious bean coffee as well, if you're interested in that. Now, you can find their products at drinkjunocoffee.com. Once again, that's drinkjunocoffee.com. And make sure you follow them on Instagram. It's at drinkjuno. Once again, it's at drinkjuno. And if you are in the Sacramento area, make sure you check out their cafe location inside the Pipeworks Climbing Gym. Once again, they actually do have a location inside the Pipeworks Climbing Gym in Sacramento. Thanks again, Juno Coffee. Yeah. So I want to talk about the film. So kind of explain what the what your film's about and how that came to be. You said you got you and your buddy shot at guerrilla style, which kind of is like a running gun type type of style for so those. Check this out. It's it's interesting how we talk about meeting people and, and growing your business yeah. in like the most unlikely spaces, right? Yeah. But this is the thing, no matter where you are, you carry your multiple complicated identity. You tell people who you are and you let the world know who you are, and then that shit just fucking comes. Mm-hmm. So I was broke at the time, right? And I was I got invited out to the San Francisco Design Week, and I was invited through a nonprofit organization called Eighteen Reasons. That's a nonprofit, like culinary cooking school for the community nonprofit mm-hmm. um, in San Francisco. And at the time, they would reach out to me because I was a struggling pop up. You know, and mm-hmm. getting more clients, and they would ask me to cater events, teach classes. So 
SF Design Week, it they invite architects and interior designers from all over the country to this big massive week to celebrate art and design mm-hmm. and they have these like eclectic ass fucking experiences. <laughs> Umqua Bank happens to be a sponsor. Shout out to Umqua Bank. <laughs> um and they wanted to host a dining experience with art and design celebrated inside of a bank. Mm-hmm. Um, SF Design Week commissions like this super badass uh, creative art director who's my former business partner named Santos Daniel. And, um, you know, he connects with me through 18 Reasons. Say, hey, do you want to cook inside of a bank? Let's do this super cool eclectic experience. We're going to film it. We're going to make a trailer. It's going to be super fun. We want to follow you everywhere you go on how to make your food. And this is the first time anybody really kind of saw what I did to to, um, to get food on like a pop-up table. And I think because I was a pop-up, you know, no one could tell me when to be open or when to be closed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could decide my schedule. And given the fact that we're in Northern California, you know, I would get straight from shit straight from the farms. Mm-hmm. I went to Devil's Gulch and picked up a whole fucking pig. They followed me. I folded down my fucking SUV because the pig is like 300 pounds, yeah, 300 yeah. plus pounds, and I had to put it in the back seat, shit like that. Um, iced, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and plastic wrap, all that stuff, so it was sanitary. Yeah, <laughs> just um, in your back seat, I'm Of my SUV, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there's no igloo big enough to put it yeah. in mm-hmm. a hole, right? Yeah. Um, in addition to that, um, you know, uh, they followed me to go foraging. I forged, uh, I was harvesting seaweed off the Sonoma coast, Sonoma, mm-hmm. Minnesota coast. Mm-hmm. All that shit, super cool, super collected. Um, and going into the dinner, they show the film, and I think, and they were really excited about the fact that I had to explain to people what the hell they were eating, doing storytelling in between, telling people my identity, and kind of tie it back to the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, the creative di- director, Santosh, was like, hey, you're a really good storyteller, man. You know, I want to learn more about your parents. He, at, at the time, he was cooking with his mom and hanging out with her. And we connected over conversations about our mothers. He's like, hey, let's let's connect. I want to learn more about your mom. And, mm-hmm. you know, can we come over for dinner and stuff like that? That progressed into, hey, did your mom want to be, did your mom want to tell these stories over a camera? Um, connected us with another friend of ours who, uh, a friend of his who's not a friend of mine, like your brother of mine, James Chan, he was a super badass independent filmmaker at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now he's a Disney. He's a Disney director now. Wow! Wow! Yeah, like super badass. Right? He has a few Emmy nominations for the independent films that he's made. Mm-hmm. So he comes over, meets my parents, connects, and you know, just films and talks. And I think at some point there's a conversation like, "Hey, we should turn this into a short film and submit it to a film festival." Sure. Piece it together. The 12 minute film. You know, got a homie to do the soundtrack, do the music. We were like, took us like six months to decide on an actual music. Yeah, yeah. Submitted to the film festival. Submitted to the film festival. There happened to be people from PBS there. Saw it and said, we love this fucking film. You know, our submission dates are a little bit late, but if you could turn this in, you know, in like two to three weeks, extend it to 26 minutes, Mm. we could help you sponsor this. So they become 50%, 50% partners. We rush to, you know, extend the piece out, submit it, and then now it's on PBS nationally. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's kind of like serendipitous in the most beautiful ways where food helped me become a filmmaker in 
Like you ways that I would never, I could never imagine. You didn't set out to do it. You just set out to kind of. I genuinely just wanted to tell my story yeah. in every aspect, right? Uh huh. Um, and I did it through food, and it, it brought me to that. And, and and the blessings were amazing. The team, everyone who worked on it, um, did did it on consignment, so they didn't get paid yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so we had to find, we had to work really hard to get grant and funding um, for the film after it was done. So they could get their money back. So shout out to the whole team who shot Bloodline. Mm -hmm. James Chan, Santos Daniel, um, Miles, um, um, I'm so embarrassed. There's one more person. I forgot his name. Well, we'll beep in his name right here. <laughs> Let's time out real quick. <laughs> You're good. Go uh, um, Jeff. And then Jeff Denbroder, Miles um, Ito, oh man, Donald Young from from Campfest. Shout out to Campfest. Uh, Masahashi, who was running Campfest at the time. Stephen Gong, James Dorito, who helped us design everything. These are all like homies. Mm -hmm. That's cool, dude. Uh, Matt Kellowicks, Nene Henderson, like these are all people who were inspired by the story and then just kind of like help us with their effort when they didn't have to. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sorry, what was your question? Oh, no, I was just uh, the name Bloodline uh, and kind of where it came from. Um, I have to credit the name Bloodline to my business, or my former business partner on that project. Um, Bloodline is in reference to um, me talking about eating Bloodline at one of my pop-ups. And how I had mentioned and told the story behind that was that my dad never threw out the Bloodline and fish. Oh. Right, and you know we would always eat it as a you know because that's that's the way we sustain ourselves, and we believe it's delicious. Period. It is. It really is delicious. You know how to prepare it, just like anything. Coffee is bitter, right? Supposedly you're not supposed to eat bitter, but you know there's things you could do to bitter to make it taste delicious. Mm -hmm. right? Same thing with chocolate. Chocolate is bitter as fuck, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, same thing with bitter melon. So it's the same thing with bloodline. It's fishy, but there's ways to make it work. Like mackerel is all bloodline. There's no way you can cut the bloodline out of mm -hmm. it, but people appreciate it around the world, right? Mm -hmm. It just depends how you cook it and how you prepare it. Um, but bloodline, in reference to that dish that I was making, um, had bloodline in it, um, but we connected back to bloodline and family, yeah. and birthright and heritage. And I think there's that, you know, beautiful connection there. I, you know, Santosh is an amazing writer. Like, he's... He's, uh, he's he's very tactful, very thoughtful in his writing and, and saw beauty in the things that I was talking about in my family where even at that time, I, I, I wasn't able to identify yet. So, you know, big shout out to him mm -hmm. for helping us make the project happen. Oh, that's awesome. That That's really cool. And then, so it's been like, you said, basically out almost a year now from last year? Um, it's been airing ever since February of 2022. 2022. And it's airing nationally on PBS, and um, I, I think the stations are on their own schedule of airing it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the easiest way to catch it, if you want to watch it on YouTube, um, there's a YouTube link for it. Once mm -hmm. again, you can YouTube search Chef 2 Bloodline, and it should pop right up. As Duffy does right now. Do it, Duffy! <laughs> <laughs> He's he's the young Jamie of the <laughs> of the podcast. Boom, right there. 
And then is it on? What is it? KQED? Is that PBS? PBS. KQED is the local station for uh, Northern California. Oh, okay. I was gonna say that sounds familiar. I was like, what and does that KTLA sound? KTLA is the equivalent of that. Um, for Southern SoCal. California. Yeah. And they're they're PBS as well too. Mm. Oh, that's really. You know, big shout out to PBS. I feel like I feel like there's it's so rare to get credible podcasts with credible information, um, thoughtful documentaries about history, educational stuff. Fucking Bill Nye, the science guy, was on PBS. Yeah, right? dude. Like, yeah, you know, Bill Nye freaking made us like science. Right? You know what I mean? Like, Growing up, like, <laughs> like, shout out to PBS and what it's done for communities around the world because a lot of the content without it would be inaccessible to mm-hmm. kids like you and I, right? So I remember growing up watching PBS, like literally that that channel was like, yeah. and it, it was like entertaining, but also it's teaching you something where like nowadays, I don't know what the hell Coco Melon is or whatever, like, you know, these kids are watching. I'm like, I just watch it. I'm like, what is this? This just freaks me out looking at this. Yeah, Neil deGrasse, Neil Tyson. Oh, Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Tyson? Yeah. Yeah, Neil Tyson deGrasse, that's his name? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, he, he, I want him to come out with a show. The Cosmos things was amazing. Uh-huh. It's not enough, though, man. We need more of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to know his personality more in it, too. Because, like, it's always just, like, I'm like, Neil, like, throw a little, like, it's always just, like, technical things. I'm like, but who are you? Because him yeah. on podcast, super interesting. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And super thoughtful guy, too. Like, one of my favorite quotes is, like, uh, I forget. It's from him, but he was, like, uh, some people like look at the universe and it's so big and they feel small, but like the same things that make stars are in our body, like the hydrogen, like the atoms, carbon. yeah, carbon and stuff like I that. I love that shit. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, that that would make me. And so. he'll, he'll connect it back into perspective. He's like, the molecules in water are so universal, like it has existed all throughout time. The same water that. I don't know, Queen Elizabeth yeah. drink, <laughs> yeah. or or like the pharaohs of. Egypt drink or is in your body. I was like, Whoa. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. exactly. I love when people make stuff like fun, you know, not fun, but like entertaining and just like you can grasp it. You know what I mean? And that's what I love about like, I don't think I'm the most like eloquent speaker. Like, like people think that like because of a podcast, like I would like to go talk on stage and stuff. You know, it's not about eloquence. It's about being fucking relatable. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to talk to a pretentious asshole. Yeah, and I think right? with the you're, podcast, you're human. I'm me. Yeah. Like I'm me. People love that. Un- yeah. Unapologetically on my podcast, like yeah. I'll laugh, I'll do like you know what I mean. Like, and at the end of the day, it's like I just want people to like be themselves with me and us to have a genuine conversation. And wherever it goes, it goes. It doesn't matter like if it's the most knowledgeable or if it just ends up being a funny podcast or whatever it is. As long as it's about being human. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Be human. Exactly. Where my phone's going? Oh, uh, you're good. It's right there. Do you mind it real quick? No, go ahead. Hey, babe. It's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my dog. He's eating. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Hey, babe. I'm on a podcast right now. Okay, I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> I showed them uh, chestnut eating. So are you guys at the beach? Okay, sorry. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. That's the wife. You I mean that's that's my heart. And how how did you and your wife meet? Um, she's uh, she's a chef as well. She was in the food space, and uh, we met through a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an admirer from afar, and um, I slid through her DMs real hard, and now we're married. <laughs> <laughs> how long have you guys been married? Three years. Oh, three years. I gotcha. Yeah. We known um, actually coming up on four. Excuse oh. me. Oh. And we known each other for five. 
Oh, gotcha. My wife slid into my DMs. <laughs> and I'm lying. She shot her shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, how about this? <laughs> I was liking and commenting her, and she slid into my DMs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my story, and I'm sticking to yeah. it. <laughs> Listen, I didn't DM you, okay? <laughs> that's really funny. No, that's cool, dude. And, like, I don't know. I just, like, I really enjoyed this conversation and just how, like, we can... Like, you're a cook, and, like, I do photo video. I mean, you're a filmmaker and stuff like that, too, but it's just, like, it's so cool how people can relate through so many different ways with, like, different experiences and how those experiences could teach one another and teach different people, and people listening can get something out of it, you know, as well. Yeah, right? I think I think that's what we do in life is that everyone has innate abilities to do something better than the next person. Mm-hmm. And you lean into that to connect and inspire other people and do good work, right? Mm-hmm. As as a human species, we're supposed to be building up, not mm-hmm. burning down, mm-hmm. right? I, and, I, and I believe that, like, you know, you, not everyone was meant to be, nor do you have to be a, an athlete mm-hmm. or the president or a doctor or a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can have an equal impact in waste management, being a garbage man. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make money as a garbage man, um, as a UPS Amazon driver. Like, you can be, I don't know, a secretary and like have profound impacts on people's lives, on the people you interact with every day. Like, a, like say, like a secretary for or orthodontist. Yeah, office. yeah. Well, and like you're like saying, you can change people's lives by how you interact with them and how you see them every day by you agree. I've had people who've changed my life that I saw every day as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, they gave that instilled confidence in me by just saying, he's a good boy or yeah. you're so nice. Like it's stuff like that. That's just pop. You know, there's, there's basketball coaches, security guards from my old school, you know, um, um, nonprofit volunteers for the um, safe spaces that I worked in mm-hmm. where without them, I felt like my life would have been on a different trajectory because, you know, saying hello and smiling and acknowledging to a kid that they're smart and they're good enough. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's all that you need to to change a person's life. Right? Yeah, no, totally. And then like through this pot or like something that I, I've kind of been realizing like the past year is like, like. This is, like, personally what I think is, like, you know, I may not be, like, the best, like, photographer, the best videographer or those things, but take, what I... Take 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 the best out of your vocabulary. Okay, gotcha. Well, what, what I mean is, like, uh... uh I'm not, ta- I'm not no, trying to talk to you. He's like, I'm sorry, chef. Yes, chef. You say, yes, chef. Don't look me in the eye. <laughs> no, what do I mean? What, uh, what I found Gordon that... Ramsey this shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, idiot sandwich. <laughs> Oh, I got to show you Quentin's promo. That's what we did for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but what, what, I, what I found that, that I enjoy doing through this podcast is that I have this, like, this set of skills, right, with photo and video. Can I catch you right there, yeah. bro? That's what it's about. It's not a, when you say I'm not the best, you're basing on other people's standards of you. Yeah. Love other people's standards. Mm-hmm. Basing on your own standard, what you love, man. Mm-hmm. I love this shit. Fuck you. I don't care. Yeah. I may not, you know, I'm not where I'm at where I want to be. Mm-hmm. But watch me, watch me in three years. Watch yeah. me in six months. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Watch me in like next week. 
if I if I would have known where I was now three years ago, I would have been like, no way. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And it's just so it's so cool. But what I was gonna say is like, I love using my skills to like help give other people a platform and not even like, like I just like, like with video, I can help somebody tell their story. You know what I mean? With video, I can help somebody do a cool performance. You know what I mean? And get that out there to other people. And like, without asking myself what I wanted to do with my life, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? And that's like how me and Duffy, like we've been like working with each other. Like literally this is like, the whole time. Every single day, we're calling each other on the phone, 30-minute conversations. How can we do? What can we do? And that's what I love about the 2020s the most is that uh, podcasts, um, video has been way more accessible. Social media has democratized mm -hmm. that whole space, man. Mm -hmm. Before, we had, we were at the mercies of the networks of the media, what we were able to see, exactly. hear, mm -hmm. and listen to. SoundCloud as well, too. Shout out to SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. So many rappers came from SoundCloud in that little era right there yeah. when it was yeah. popping, dude. Yeah. Now it's about how many streams you have. Right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, man, I, I'm all about democratizing the space and, um, you know, to shout out to anyone else who out there is, uh, who's aspiring to do what we do, um, go do it. It's yeah. really accessible. Don't be afraid. Um, at the end of the day, the biggest monetary value you should be measuring is happiness. Do what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you do what you're doing happy, you're going to attract good people to what you're doing. And I feel that that will always come with some sort of financial return. Oh, I, right. Because mm -hmm. good people take care of good people. Uh, excuse me. Good people take care of good people. No, for sure. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, like you're saying, like, it's almost like, like, I totally feel what you were saying earlier about how you, uh, like you reserve, like your, like I'm an asshole, bro. Yeah. 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 Which, but it's like, I, I have a, I, I didn't get to see that, you know, thankfully, you know what I mean? But no, no, let, let's speak to that. Like for years, you know, I, um, I think close to a decade, uh, more than a decade, actually, I think 12 years, I worked as a professional chef and I worked 100 hour weeks. Crazy. And was it maybe through social expectations or whatever the BS was, I saved my best for work and the people who I worked with because I was in the hospitality sector. Mm -hmm. I saved my best for my customers that, you know, that were in the restaurants that I served in. When I got home, you know, um, I was horrible to myself. Mm -hmm. I was horrible to my friends. I was horrible to everyone else around me, right? And now that I'm 37 and married, I'm learning slowly um, for the past few years that life is incredibly short. And as I get older, you start to, I, you know, I lose friends from the street, from sickness, family members mm -hmm. dying off, um, unfortunately to illness, stuff like that, everything mm -hmm. in between. I had this realization understanding that I need to save my happiness for people who mean the most to me, right? Mm -hmm. Especially good people, right? And everyone else is an asshole. So I'm going to be an asshole to them too. Why would I give them my best? Mm -hmm. Right? And just because people got money or they're your customer, fuck them. They don't give you respect. Don't they don't get my time of day at all. Yeah. Right. And and, and I think that's what for me that I'm learning, I think that I've always had in me is that and I think most people have it as well too. Is that um, you know, I think everyone has human compassion. You have to, we've been kind of trained or brainwashed, if you will, to kind of erase human compassion. Especially recently. So we can make money. Yeah. Like yeah. street type of shit. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
or, or, or even not acknowledging the horrific shit that's happening to like the homeless population or housing insecure right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, oh, that's not my issue. I, I got my mortgage to worry about. I can't, you know, do whatever. But I feel like um, it's our inner human nature to care. Um, and I want to channel those energies and efforts to people who need it the most because um, I don't feel vulnerable now, but I was vulnerable not too long ago, a few years back in my youth. And the trajectory of my success or what I've done and the blessings that I've had is because somebody helped me out. So now it's about giving my best once again to good people and people who deserve it. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that was great. That's that's awesome. And then, uh, uh, so I was going through your Instagram, and I oh, uh, you oh, you gonna slide in my DMs? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, trying to get a husband, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mary, no, bro, no. too late, man. I've worn my wedding ring. Yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, no, I liked your comment on self-made, and I was wondering if you like what is self, what does that mean? Self-made's total bullshit. Um, who, who's the guy? Who's the guy? Jada Pinkett. Um, uh, oh, August Alcina. Yeah, August uh, Alcina, right? Mm. He's fucking self-made on the side of his face. <laughs> Being self-made for shit, man. <laughs> prove it to me. Any rapper, any any business person, prove it to me, right? Um, your successes are a reflection of what invest, how people invested in you, whether it's emotionally, financially, opportunity-wise. That's what success is. Mm-hmm. Has nothing to do with you. It's about what people put into you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. Um, and um, in that video that he's referring to, you guys should check it out on Instagram. I actually, did it at an Airbnb with a room full of executives. And when I mentioned that self-made is total bullshit, the whole room goes quiet. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, I crack a joke and I say, I guess the other half of the room is self-made. And everyone starts cracking up. And then I went into further explaining the fact that. This podcast is brought to you by Connor Manufacturing Incorporated. They are a local family owned and operated machine shop that services the Central Valley and beyond. They specialize in complex parts using the state-of-the-art manufacturing processes. Now, if you are interested in using their services, you can send all RFQs through their website at www.connormfg.com. Once again, if you're interested in their services, please send all RFQs through their website at www.connormfg.com. Also, make sure to follow them on Instagram, Connor underscore MFG. Once again, that's at C-O-N-O-U-R underscore MFG. Thanks again, Sean. This podcast is brought to you by Smiley Service Center for all your automotive repair needs. Smiley's is proud to announce that they have relocated to 254 West 16th Street in Merced. Their team of experienced technicians are dedicated to provide you with exceptional customer service and the highest level of expertise in the industry. They offer a full range of services, including AC, alignment, tire replacement, brake repair, oil changes, suspension work, and much more. Don't wait until your vehicle breaks down to seek professional help. Contact Smiley Service Center today to schedule an appointment by calling 209-722-2616. And once again, they are located at 254 West 16th Street in Merced. Thanks again, Smiley's. This podcast is brought to you by WorkNet and the Merced County Workforce Development Board. 
On this podcast, we often talk about how people from the Central Valley made it, either in a career or in starting their own business. In Merced County, WorkNet provides people with career advice, job information, and training they need in order to change careers. WorkNet services are provided through Merced County, and they are completely free. So it's a no-brainer on if you should use this resource or not, you guys. They have helped hundreds of people and small businesses every year, and you can check them out at worknetmerced.com. Once again, all these services are available for free, and you can check them out at worknetmerced.com. Thanks again, WorkNet. Um, specifically, just referencing my own example, I wouldn't be where I'm at without the mentors that I've had, the teachers, the coaches, mm-hmm. the uh, community spaces that that gave me resources that I didn't have in my youth to, um, you know, feel safe, do homework, have confidence, um, have advice, teaching me how to, like, write a resume, um, te- coaching me to, you know play the sport as if it were an obstacle in life. Yeah. It would carry over to my life battles. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. That made me exactly who I am today. So self-made is totally bullshit. And, you know, um, I think equally to August Alsina, I think I'm going to get a tattoo on my face saying self-made is bullshit. Because <laughs> 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 I think he has around. it, like, on both sides or something. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no. Look it up, yeah. And who is who is this dude? Uh, he's a he's a, a rapper, R and B singer. But he was the one who was with Jada Pinkett Smith. He made the Entanglement song. And- uh oh yeah 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 yeah. You see it self made right yeah, on his self face? on self, self on, on one, one made on the other. On the right it says made. Yeah, right there. And I just want to clear something up. Like mm-hmm. I um, I have this on here. Like people would see like made on here. Some mm-hmm. people think it's self made. Mm-hmm. On this side, it's actually chef tattoo, so it's handmade. So, oh, oh yeah. I like that. I like that. Handmade. Yeah. It's like, you know, because I make shit with my hands. Yeah, Jesus yeah, Christ. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start getting tattoos? When you were younger or? Underage. Underage? Yeah. <laughs> Ricky Tat, shout out to Ricky Tattoo and Alameda for not checking IDs. <laughs> 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 He's like, yeah, I think you're old enough. I just want to get some money real quick. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're in business anymore, so I think it's a safe statement. Yeah. <laughs> and then just, are, are you all tatted up everywhere, kind of? Uh, my ribs are tatted up. Like my whole half of my torso is tatted up. Mm-hmm. Um, that was extremely painful, but it's okay. It's cool. Um, both I have fully sleeved out both sides. My fingers. Um, mm-hmm. um, I feel like a lot of chefs have a lot of tattoos. Uh yeah, it's kind of cliche. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's worked for a branding perspective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Like, um. I come from a street culture, right? Um, all my homies have tattoos, and the things that uh, we dear and treat value, um, the things that we hold dearest to our hearts, we get tattoos. That's that's Oakland culture. Yeah. Um, so my tattoos may be a little bit neurotic, but it's everything from food. Um, this is probably one of my favorite ones. This is uh, Yes Chef. We Chef in French. Oh, really? So it's like Yes Chef, right? Um, you know. Um, and I show other French chefs that I've encountered, and they they all fucking love it. They're yeah, like, yeah. So no, yeah. I have like my some of my chest done, and then my left arm right here. But yeah, I mean, 
most of my tattoos mean something except for uh, one. <laughs> I have a uh, time is money. Time is money. In in Portuguese on me. That was your first one, right? Uh, it was, um, well, I have my grandma's name, and then I did that. Yeah, the bigger one. It's like I have Italy, and then the American flag and Portuguese flag inside of it. Yeah. And then I have time is money around it. Spanish. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I told my wife one time. I was like, I was like, I said something like, uh, yeah, time is money. Uh, I'm gonna get. Uh, I said like, I got that tatted on me or whatever she was like oh please never get that tattooed on you i was like <laughs> i was like i have that tattooed on me <laughs> you should go you should go to uh the tattoo removal place you're like i want to remove my gang member tattoo. <laughs> 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 time is money right it's gang affiliation yeah, yeah exactly do you ever do you know the instagram account it's the bay there's like a big it's like a meme type instagram yeah, account yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the <laughs> I think a journalist runs that. Uh, Let me tell you, uh, we ended up on <laughs> making a mat or something the other day. So I have like I had asked on my Instagram. I was like, uh, "What are phrases that you only hear in the Central Valley?" Right? And like, oh, I think I seen. Did that. you see yeah, that? Yeah, I think really? I seen that. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. And so literally, and like I was just reading everyone's responses. Everyone's like, "Hella," you know what I mean? And I was, and I was just reading it over and over. And I didn't say like "Hella" was born in the Central Valley or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. And then like. Uh, like I tagged Hella on it, and then like uh, Bay Area people started commenting, and somebody commented like, at, "It's the Bay." Like, what do you think about this? And the dude like commented, and he was like, "Are you ready for what's about to come right now?" And then, <laughs> that was and, a death threat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it sounded so. Yeah, it sounded terrifying. so. And then like he took my video, and then he posted. He posted on. He only posted on their page for like twenty minutes, and then it got. And then he took it down. I don't know why or anything like that. Yeah. But it was. It was honestly like I was like cool like, honestly, you know what i mean i'm like Exposure, perfect yeah. people yeah people are like what's this podcast that people listen well, to wait, so let's talk about that what get throw me some central valley slang that that's unique to here uh, uh that wit that what that's unique to to central valley uh i mean it's like hella hecka hella hecka is, is california yeah it's just california in general uh if you want to go local here oakdale bud oakdale oh, bud <laughs> like there's like this town oakdale and for some reason everyone goes oakdale bud yeah. like all the what time is, is oakdale a place it, oakdale's yeah. a town it's a yeah it's a and town then oakdale bud so i don't that, know why it's just, people... like a, it's just like a like a like a rural town uh, so are they claiming here. Oakdale rural town set or something like? Uh, it's just kind of what it's like. People not like how much, how much <laughs> about it. Yeah, about or like it. Aggie too, like Aggies. There's like, like a real agricultural, like, like southern. Wow, you guys got slang for agriculture. Yeah, like, yeah, like Aggie people. Aggies. Yeah, like Duffy's an almond farmer and peach mm -hmm. farmer. Dope. Yeah, dope. yeah. So like. Aggies, and then I'm trying to think what else would people uh, say. There was one that was really funny. It was like, damn, my allergies are hella bad today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that like Central Valley. Yeah, yeah. Just all, always allergies. Oh, and then I'm wearing, so I'm wearing a shirt that. <laughs> oh, you're wearing it. Great. Yeah, yeah. So this is a shirt that we made that we thought on the on the podcast. And this is like only if you're from the Central Valley, you get it. Almonds, allergies, and asthma. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so those it. three things, you know. <laughs> Man, that's that's a badge of honor there. Uh, yeah, I got asthma. I moved here and I got. I finally got my asthma. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And then your allergies really acting up when the almonds are blooming, man. Oh, spring, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's spring, dude. Yeah, yeah. You, dude, people get fucked up here from allergies, dude. It's ridiculous. Man. But like little shit like that, you know what I mean? But it was just so funny that like it's the Bay Instagram account saw my thing and was like, hilarious. And I think they were like, I think also because I was like, I wasn't saying like, hey, hella originated from the Central Valley. But you guys use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, all California uses yeah. it. You know what I mean? I think the flip side of it is that um, Bay Area culture is is 
is it, it penetrates a lot of different spaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like all the slang that we use up here um, in Northern California. Well, this isn't Northern, but the, all the slanguage that is seen in Northern California, in particular E40, really migrates all the way down to LA. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I've even seen it in bits and pieces in New York as well too. So, um, like to find origins of it, like. I don't know, man. E40 ambassador, we salute you. Real governor of California. Right? <laughs> Run already, E40. <laughs> right? Like 40 Water. 40 Water is, uh, should be running for governor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, hey, we had Schwarzenegger, you guys. We should have a governor E40. Right? And I would just love for him to keep E40, like, as his name. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Like, E40, the conglomerate. Right? Yeah. Like, and then imagine him like talking, like you know, like the spokesperson. Yeah. Like, can you just write a rap for us? <laughs> he, he's, a good, he's a really good-hearted dude. My buddy uh, Alex Rotodo is his business partner at the Olympia Company. You know. Like, oh, oh. He has uh, Olympia Company. Bro, E40 is like Filipino. Like you just don't know. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> like, no, he, there's this director out he in the Bay. He grew up with a lot of Filipino dudes. Like you know, he, it's it's in his it's in his blood. It's in his veins. Nice. Um, so he he's really passionate about Olympia. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there, there's just a uh, director that I really like out in the Bay, and his production company is called Lumpia Watermelon. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But dude, and he's yeah, he works with like people like Lil Nas X, a whole bunch of like people, and he's just like such a cool dude. I I forget. I don't even. I can't remember what his actual name is. And, and that's Watermelon. what the Bay is. is so is so diverse. Like unlike the East Coast, where the communities are segregated, here hood to hood, mm -hmm. you know, everyone's kind of mixed together. So you'll have you know Latin. Black, Adrian yellow, white, name, everything yeah. in between. You know? mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that OMG Adrian, he's a super talented dude. And I, yeah, the only reason I know him is because my buddy went to school in Riverside with a whole bunch of people from the Bay Area, right. and like it's just like people who know people. You know what I mean? It's just like you can put on to sure. other people by. Yeah, good vibes, things. right? Yeah, good no, vibes. exactly. Vibes. That's what it is, man. Exactly, and that's what I love. Like when you when you meet like one of your good friends' friends. It's like you've already known each other for so long. You know what I mean? Just because it's like, like, like you're saying, good vibes. And like, I used to not be, like, I used to always be like, oh, like I don't believe in energy or like, you know what I mean, stuff like that. It's just real. Yeah. And the more, the more I do this podcast and stuff like that, I can feel when it's off, and I can feel when like I'm really having a good conversation with somebody. And like, I totally believe like, like energy is a thing. You know what I mean? That like, because sure. you can feel it. You can feel it. Because I there's one podcast with. Uh, we had the, there was a, we were gonna have these people called two hundred nine times on, uh, oh, yeah. and uh, they but they all they do is post the negative things that are going on in the area, and it's just like so it was like Oakland news. They they only post shit when there's like a shooting or something. yeah, exactly <laughs> car accidents, car on fire. Right. I'm like, hey, who cares about like a car like something broken down on the middle of the that's road? The, that's like, the thing that I, I don't appreciate. There's no um, they, they never it's, it's seldomly seen that never but seldom that they post. The sensibilities of community in smaller urban places like Oakland, mm -hmm. yeah. Central Valley, yeah, and even like Compton, like Compton, yeah, Long Beach, like you just hear the negative, crazy stuff, right? And yeah, talk about the community sensibilities, and when they do that, they really demean the people who actually live there, mm -hmm. right? So I, I'm just tired of people asking me, "You're from Oakland? You must be crazy. I'm so scared to go to Oakland. Blah blah blah." I was like, I don't think I have any bullet holes in me, but like, yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and I think that's the thing. I mean, statistically, there is like an uptick of crime in Oakland, but if they would invest the same amount of energy in talking about the crime and talking about the good stuff, 
you give the chance, you give a chance for the good stuff to grow. And that's exactly what, like how this podcast got started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just hyper focused on the negatives and yeah, like clickbait just, shit, right? Yeah, that and then just like oh, we're dead or like the whole Central Valley just gets like a horrible rep and like. I can understand it to a certain extent on things, but like it's it's like you hey hey fucks you live here like you know what I mean like yeah. like you're making it this place you're making it like you're talking bad about the area you're you're creating this culture that people don't like it here you know what I mean yeah. and like since the pandemic in Merced at least like the whole city is kind of transformed and like mm. I it just inspired me to be like like hey it's not as bad as everyone makes it seem you know what I mean yeah. like I understand good. yeah yeah I understand the bad of it don't get me wrong but. There's there's all, let's 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 let's, let's admit this. No matter where you are, there's always more negative shit in the world than there is positive. Yeah, and I always I always tell people you can talk negative about something way easier than you can talk positive about something. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because you can say, hey, like that sucks. You know what I mean? And that's it. You could just say that. But when you tell you something's good, it's like, why is it good? Let me tell you about it. Let me, you know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and I think that starts um, with the way you're raised. It starts with friendship, right? Because with friendship. Marriage, dating, you can, if you wanted to, you can easily destroy those things by talking about all the shit that happens between you and that other person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? But if you hyper-focus on the good things, you're more focused on what you're building towards, mm-hmm. not where you claim to see the shit, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So. I agree. Well, too, I think uh, I have to get you over to Quentin pretty soon here. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, but you got a you got a full day. Of, yeah, I got a full day of traveling. But I just want to thank you for coming on this podcast, awesome, dude. Man. I appreciate it so much. And where can people find you at if they want to support you? Follow me on Instagram at Chef Two David Fu, um, and that's Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn as well, Twitter, all that stuff. You want to learn more about me? Work with me. Um, DM me through my Instagram. Or you can connect with me through my website at chef2.com. Um, but I do a bunch of interesting projects where f- people always ask me, what do I do specifically? Um, but it's I'm in the space where food, culture, and academics intersect. And I do that as a chef, author, and filmmaker. Awesome. And go check out Bloodline, you guys, right now on YouTube as well. Yes. Shout out, Duffy. Shout out, Michael. Boom. This is it. Central Valley Podcast. Hey, big shout out Central Valley Podcast. You know I had to fuck with it.